the necessity of love in difficult times, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another Abounding Grace. Glad you could join us today as we continue a study of 1 Peter with Pastor Ed Taylor. In a moment, we'll turn to chapter 1, verse 22. But first, Pastor Ed joins me in the studio. And Ed, you're about to show us what people really need in times like these is fervent love. And sadly, what we're seeing more often than not right now is Christians biting and devouring each other. Would you comment on that before we get started? Yeah, you know, Larry, the situations and circumstances we've been living with has really caused a lot of division, a lot of animosity, a lot of difficulty. You know, the Bible says in the last days, as days are getting more difficult, the love of many will grow cold. And we we, we read verses like that and think, well, it's going to be the future, that's going to be the future, but the future is now. The love of many has grown cold, including the love of many within the church. Uh, but, But here's the thing. The Lord is ready to refresh your heart, get your eyes off of a cause, and get your eyes back on the cause of Christ, and knowing that there are things in life you can't control, but the one thing you can control is coming to the Lord in humility and brokenness and embracing His agape love so that you might then extend His agape love, especially to other believers. We don't want to bite and devour one another. We don't want to fight for our rights and fight for our opinion, but rather we want to serve as we die to ourselves. So tune in. This is a great message on loving fervently. The Lord's going to bless it and honor His Word in your life, and I know that you'll be blessed. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And now let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and begin today's lesson. Take your Bibles. Would you please open them to 1 Peter chapter 1 in our verse-by-verse study through the book of First and Second Peter, uh, we're going to cover one verse tonight and pause to build up to end the chapter in verse 22 where we left off. And the Bible study is entitled, Love One Another Fervently. And you'll understand by the time we end today why we want to focus on this, especially in the time in which we live now. The necessity of love and a fervent, passionate love for one another. Now, Peter, in his life, became a wonderful pastor. He became a wonderful shepherd of God's people. He learned his lessons well. As you read about him throughout the Scripture, you see that he didn't always do things right. He didn't always say things right. He made mistakes, small and large. But he learned his lessons well. Both the great faith and great failure, God used them both in his life. And remember, as Peter is writing this letter, he's writing it as a pastor. I believe the heart of a pastor, the heart of a shepherd. It's too bad that we remember Peter too much for his failures. And it's too bad that he becomes the end of a joke more often than not. 
Because God, when he sees the failures and the mishaps and the weaknesses in Peter, God's conclusion, and we can look back now and see, is that I can use a man like that. I can use a man that learns from his mistakes. I can use a woman that although she falls flat on her face, in my strength she gets up with great faith. And I would have loved to have Peter as my pastor to sit under his teachings and to listen to his true stories, to watch him carefully in his leadership, to serve alongside of him. Because as we read his letter and we continue on through the following chapters, we get a sense of his heart and his care and concern. You know, 1 Peter and 2 Peter remind me of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is probably the most startling letter that gives us the heart of Paul. Like what it was like for Paul to be a pastor and to be like a missionary pastor. Well, Peter, he bears it all in his letter as well. And we hear his heart and his concern and his care for the people of God. The church wasn't a business to him. It wasn't an organization. The church was the body of Christ. The church were the people of Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. I mean, if we use today's terminology, I think in Peter's life, everything in his life was to seek to win a person to Jesus, to win their hearts over, to develop them and disciple them in Jesus, and then to send them out. Even as this group was scattered, the audience of this letter is scattered. But Peter reminds them, you're scattered, it's hard, but God has you where he has you for the sake of the gospel. And it may be hard for you, but God is with you. And it may be challenging for you, but God will use you. And you know that's our heart too. We use those same words, our desire to win, disciple, and sin. And if you get your eyes off of Jesus, then evangelism is not going to matter much to you anymore. Seeing people grow in the things of God won't matter much anymore. And even sending out will not be a high priority. Every moment of every day is a gift from Jesus Christ. Every day in our lives. Every moment, every breath. Our lives aren't just simply to be spent and wasted on ourselves. But invested in the lives of others. Daily reminded of how Jesus lived for people. And he died and rose again the third day for you and for me. The people you might be mad at right now. The people you might be holding a grudge against. The people that hurt you and harmed you. The people that are making decisions over you and for you that you don't agree with. Remember two things go with us from here into eternity. Just two. The souls of men and the word of God. Eternal. Not gold. Not cars, not our houses, our trinkets, our toys, not our accomplishments or our degrees, not our businesses, our education, our earthly pursuits. Only the souls of men and the Word of God go into eternity. The Bible says this, if you want to jot it down in Psalm 62 verse 10. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? Jesus put it much simpler 
in a much more pure way, the Son of God, he said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And that's where Pastor Peter is here at the end of chapter 1. He's at a place, as he opens up his letter, encouraging a group of struggling people. We have in our minds what we think encouragement sounds like and even feels like. I mean, we even, there's even a book that's been written called The Five Love Languages to help you learn how to communicate with your spouse and with others so that you speak a language that's received by them. But sometimes encouragement from the Lord isn't and doesn't sound like the way you want to hear it. It isn't what you expected. And that's the point where you would then want to resist what God has for you. And what Peter's telling these guys that are struggling, these guys that, I mean, when you think of struggling, we're, we're not talking about like getting a flat tire on the side of the road. They have been chased down. They have been run out. And there's a death sentence on their lives within the Roman Empire. Christians are being persecuted at the highest level to date as Peter is writing this letter. And he says, you know, I know you're struggling. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know the situation is serious. But isn't it great to know Jesus? That's what he says in chapter 1. Like, isn't it great to remember where you came from? Isn't it such an encouragement? I mean, even today, as I was on my way in, early this morning, I was listening to a Bible study, and the brother just said something very simple about what a privilege it is to serve Jesus and to serve him with our best. It was, a, it was a very simple but profound statement. And as I was driving, that sparked a thought in my mind as I began to think back on my past. And in my past, before I was born again, in the wicked, sinful life that I lived, I was reminded just on the little trip, it was just basically from Parker Road all the way down Hampton, this thought hit me, all the way here to the office. And I was just thinking, man, when I was in the world, I was all in. I didn't hold anything back. If it was a party, then I was all in. And, it, and if it was a drinking party all night, I was all in. To my own detriment, to the pain of others around me, but like I didn't hold back. I could look back and think, man, when I serve the world, I really serve the world. Even if it hurt me. Even if it hurt others. And then God brought me to that place of being born again and being delivered from that behavior and that lifestyle. Just having my eyes opened. And how as a follower of Jesus, God desires me to be just as all in in my life, serving him. And I think many times I am, but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I get weary and tired as we were seeing in Hebrews. Sometimes I just, it's just enough, I was enough. And it's like, man, Lord, this is just every day, nonstop. The warfare, the difficulties, the challenges he's called me to. And, and today I was just reminded, isn't it a great thing just to be born again? That I'm not serving the world anymore. And I might have my issues and I might have to deal with my flesh at times. But it's good that the passion that God, the kind of passionate person that God has made me, that it's good to serve the Lord. And I would even say in tough times to press in 
to the tough times that we're in. And that's what he's saying as you kind of look and review in chapter 1. He, he reminded all of the scattered uh, under duress and trial, all the difficulties. He says, isn't it good to be saved and chosen by God? You're born again to a living hope, awaiting an incorruptible inheritance. You're kept by the power of God. Your genuine faith is being purified and revealed. Your love is growing. So what? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be ready for every good work. Rest your hope fully on the grace that's going to be revealed to you. Live holy lives. God values your life more than any earthly possession. That's what we need to hear in the midst of trials. It's worth it to follow Jesus. It, even if things get worse, Jesus is on the throne and these things cannot be taken away from you. Things can be stolen. Things can be taken away. You can lose your possessions. You can lose your peace. You can lose your comfort. But the reality of your spiritual relationship with God cannot be changed. It's unchanged. It actually becomes more valuable in difficult times is what Peter's saying. And you step back and go, man, I don't know how encouraging that really is. I just want to get out of my trial. I just want to have my way. But the question is this. So Peter's sharing this in chapter one. It's a very challenging, difficult time. And the question is this, even as it's neat how God wove our prayer request together today. The question is this. When somebody comes to you looking for help, looking for counsel, maybe even asking this loaded question. And let me just say, this is a loaded question. You might want to write it down so you're ready for it. This is a loaded question to you. When somebody comes to you and says, what's your opinion on this matter? What's your opinion? Now, if you're not careful and you're not in a ready state, you might just give your opinion. But that question for your opinion is an open door to give that person God's opinion. Now, of course, if your opinion's been formed biblically, then give it. But when someone comes and asks your opinion on such and such and this and that, that's a loaded question. And if, you're not, if your guard isn't up, you may just start spouting your opinion on a matter when you have gotten an open door to take someone to the very cross of Jesus Christ. Where do we take people when they come to us for counsel? When we hear of their difficult times? Do we just settle for giving our wise thoughts and our deep opinions? Or do I pray with them and open the word to them and tell them what the Bible has to say about their current condition? Do I just pat them on the back and send them on their way? Or do I give them the word even if it's difficult to hear or sometimes, you know, if it's difficult to hear, then it's going to be difficult to deliver at the same time. It's going to be difficult to share the truth in love. But Peter gives us the example. He doesn't share. He doesn't tell them here in chapter 1, oh, everything's going to be just fine. It's going to pass. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, don't worry about it. Maybe in a year or two, things will recover and you'll get everything back. No, he says, this is what you need to do. You need to get your eyes on the Lord. Begin to be appreciative once again that you are saved. You're going through this as a saved person, not an unsaved person. You're going through this with hope. You're, you're going through this with faith. 
And the worst thing that can happen to you is the best thing that can happen to you, and that you'll be in the presence of the Lord, and He will fulfill His Word. Listen, what people need in times like these is not high-minded opinions or low-minded gossip. They need the Word. And there's two things we're going to look in the next two studies. What they need is fervent love and God's faithful Word. And today I want to focus on fervent love as we have in verse 22. With all the questions surrounding us today and all the things that, that God is speaking to us. Let me give you, before we move on, let me give you another loaded question uh, that you got to be careful with. And what I mean by loaded, I don't mean somebody's trying to trap you or anything. I just mean you need to be alert for this. And I was reminded of it today uh, in our staff meeting this morning and then also on the radio program today, I was reminded of this. And that is, what will you do if something happens in the future? What will you do if? Uh, that's a loaded question. Because you may know, you may think you know what you're going to do if, but the answer to that question is, I don't know. The Bible tells me not to worry about tomorrow. Like I would offer to you to consider uh, and, and think it through, maybe pray it through for the, your answer. I also will tell people, I don't deal in hypothetical situations. I don't know. I believe the Lord will give me wisdom. If that, if that happens, I think God will give me wisdom when it happens. But until then, sufficient is the day. I got enough to be concerned with right now of making decisions right in front of me that whatever happens a week from now or three weeks from now, I don't deal in hypotheticals. Because it's a trap. Because the hypothetical almost always is, is designed to undermine your decision today. The hypothetical is almost always designed to undermine your solid decision today. And so I don't know. I don't, well, what's going to happen next week? I really don't know. Well, you know, what kind of answer is that? It's the answer of faith. I'm going to trust God today. And if he gives me next week, I've learned in the past that even in the most crisis situations, God can give wisdom if I'll listen to him. I've also learned in the most crisis situations, I can make mistakes too. But either way, whether I make a mistake or I trust in the Lord by faith, he remains faithful. And so I just want to deal with what's today and what's in front of us. So notice with me God's, uh, what, what God has given to us in his fervent love. Look at verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another fervently. This is a command. In the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of, of just all, all hell breaking loose in a life. What's needed is fervent love for one another. That's what's needed. Can, can I show you what's not needed? Would you go over to Galatians with me in chapter 6? Would you just turn your Bibles? I want you to see this. I want you to compare. I'll tell you what's not needed in a time like this, in a time of difficulty in a time of challenges, in a time of... Um, chapter 5 is where I want you to go. Galatians chapter 5. What's needed is fervent love. Here's what's not needed. In verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. It's a powerful statement. But it's even more powerful when it's given to believers. 
I mean, think about it. Followers of Jesus Christ, born again men and women, biting and devouring one another, destroying one another. No, what's needed is fervent love. This word, if you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle it. It literally means passionate, continual, or intense. It speaks of a growing love. It it speaks of a love that is on fire, if you will, hot-hearted, passionate. James, he uses the word in James chapter 5, verse 16, he uses the same word in prayer. So have fervent prayer. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Have, have passionate prayer. Have passionate love. It's a great word that describes many things in the Bible. It's used in Luke 22, talking about a fervent desire. Luke twenty two fifteen. Paul uses it when it relationship to serving in Romans chapter 12. In verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And now Peter uses it in relationship to love. And you can see how it flows throughout the chapter. You've been saved. You've been loved by God. We've been given new life from God, a new direction, new purpose, new identity. And now God says, let love flow through you to the rest of your family of faith passionately continue. This this is where it happens. Among us is where we practice. This is just practice. Practice on people that share the same core values. Practice on people that have the same spiritual life. Practice on those of us that care about God so that why? That love spills over into a world that doesn't care about God, that doesn't share our core values, that doesn't, doesn't know how to handle trials, doesn't know how to handle difficulties. When all their hope is in this world, when this world starts caving in, people freak out. They just freak out. Oh, the world's going to end. The world's going to end. It is going to end, but according to the way God said. So get ready for the end. That's the message of the gospel. Get ready for the end. You're right. Things are going to go, they're going to get far worse than this. Well, what are we supposed to do? Be ready for the end. And what do we do while we wait? Fervent love for one another. Fervent love. Passionate. On fire. Let God's love flow through you. Peter actually uses two different words for love here. The first one is actually the Greek word Philadelphia. Uh, it's from where we get our, we, we know it comes from the root phileo, but that's actually the word he uses. It means brotherly love. It means a family type of love. It, it is a, a very strong word that speaks of that tight-knit connection that we have together. The second word he uses is the word that res- describes the love that comes from God, agapeo. Well, we've been in the book of 1 Peter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. 
He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And if you just like to make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Hey, thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. At Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, there is a Saturday evening service at 6 and two Sunday morning services, 845 and 1045. And you can also join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Discover more about us and watch our live stream at calvaryco.church. We'll get back into First Peter tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.